from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of the week that make us go wow. wow. <laughs> I am co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined by club kid turned best-selling author and wow celebrity himself, James St. James. And WOW's Chief Creative Officer, Tom Campbell. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, Blake, you're here too. This is our 368th show. So without further ado, let's start the countdown at number 10. Number 10. Even though I'm an old man, I still think it's important to watch and talk about the MTV Video Music Awards. Every year, every year they come around just like a like the blue moon. I feel like I've jumped that shark now. Yeah, well, I oh, for many, many years I have watched uh, as a, sort of like flashcards so I could see a name, see a face, and try to keep them together and use them in conversation, you know, at brunches and things. Ice Spice. I finally know about Ice Spice. That new Polo Pesos guy. Who is that? Okay, he was news. He was new. He was kind of fun. It was a very – listen – it was a big night, as it always is. I think it was a success as a tentpole. It's like everything now. It's it's like there are no um, – it doesn't really matter what happened there. It's all the anticipation. It's all the tweets during. It's all the TikToks, and it's all the conversation we're having afterwards. There was an article that Randy forwarded me that, you know, and we've talked about this before, that it's everything's a cult now. So there really almost isn't pop music. Because even Taylor Swift, one of the biggest artists that there is – and who did who swept you know nine awards last night has a cult right you're either in it or you're out it's a big cult it was shot really unusually it was shot like you were like at a rave or in the pit of a big event and there was lots of people and smoke and things kind of obscuring your vision from the artists at certain times and it seemed to sort of fuck with the audio now i could say oh that was horrible but it was exciting it was dynamic. And by the way, there's pe- people are doing this way too much at concerts, throwing hearts. Just so I want to say, I have, I have my hand and just taking a heart. A lot of that going on. But you felt like you were right in it. And by the way, the other thing I'd like to challenge all music artists who appear on television and especially in the VMAs to not say, make some noise, Los Angeles. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to, or maybe there should be like a, a, a jar and you have to put in $25,000 every time you say, make some noise. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to just say that yeah. I, talking about feeling old, it th- that moment when NSYNC came out, it reminded me of when I used to watch the Oscars with my mom and like Claudette Colbert would come out or like <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. And we were like, I remember, oh, it's that, you know, it's like <laughs> old people go excited, get all excited. <laughs> and for those who didn't watch, you know that, that NSYNC unannounced came out to present uh, ultimately Taylor Swift with like pop winner of the year. And they weren't styled together. They were all kind of individual. like old men. <laughs> and the two, the, the hottest in sinkers to me, the hottest in sinker was Lance Bass. I thought he looked great. I thought he popped. I thought he looked really cute. I thought that Joey Fatone, who is thick, but juicy, looked kind of sexy. And so I put Justin was kind of third. And then I hate to say it. There's the other two guys don't know their names. Oh, Chris Kirkpatrick and... Is it Jay-Z? Yeah, I didn't recognize him. That's horrible. So they were weird. Taylor's reaction to them was pretty good. Taylor, again, one year, Taylor wins her 10th 
VMA should have been for having the most fun at the VMAs uh, because she was just loving it. Her she had her nine mimosas is what they counted. I love that. She was, as usual, she's surrounded by like a politically correct group of people. So she had, but it kept changing. And there's people of every different color and ethnicity and song thing. And she could hug each of them as she won her award. And Taylor Swift has become the grand dame of the VMA. She's, she's like, like Elizabeth Taylor when Elizabeth Taylor comes yes, out. <laughs> yes. Demi Lovato did this really hard rock version of her hits which put her in kind of a grand dame thing. It was sort of like a medley moment for her, but in a heavy metal thing. She looked pretty good. She seemed happy. I'm just hoping she does well in life. Megan The Stallion and Cardi B performed together Bongos, which is a filthy song. And not just because it's the female point of view about sex. There's so many filthy songs. I try to, again, old man, I listen to the radio. I try to listen, and, and the words they're saying, words I can't say on the air, by the way. Um, and I'm a disgusting person. I um, will say that Nicki Minaj kind of stole the night for realness for me because she came walking out at first and she's like, and she took forever as she always does, but even longer than usual. And she goes, at some point I realized one of my shoes wasn't buckled. One, two, buckle my shoe. And so she was that, but when she accepted her awards and she performed, she was kind of off the hook and kind of unscripted and wild and proved to me why she's the queen. Olivia Rodrigo, who was my, was my new goddess, I feel has disappointed me a little bit on the sophomore album. And, and just like Selena Gomez, when her set fell down, which was part of the, the, the plan, but when it, it sort of malfunctioned as part of the thing, we didn't know that at first. And Selena Gomez and I were both <gasps> incredibly shocked. And last but not least, the um, Madonna Pepsi commercial that was ripped off the air 34 years ago was played by Pepsi as an ad to prove how brave they are and how they've been changing the world for all these years. And it seems a little suspect in corporate, but Hey, if it helps sell Madonna tickets, how was the ad? It's I, I, I sent a link to you guys. It's just, they replayed basically the old ad mm. and just remind you, which was like, it was her watching sitting in a chair with a skunk stripe in her hair, watching dailies from like a prayer. And because Like a Prayer had the burning crosses and things, it was so controversial at the time, they had to scrap the $5 million commercial and all that kind of stuff. So they're, they're airing the commercials. This is, it's just Madonna looking smug, watching her dailies, drinking a Pepsi in a chair. But that is a weird moment, isn't it? Because Pepsi were just clueless, had no guts, and cratered into the moral panic. Like, yes. why? But now okay. they're saying, Pepsi, we've been out there breaking rules for 40 years. Wow. I know. That's stinky. Oh, speaking of stinky, the, the, the most viral moment I thought was that uh, Candy Muse, right? Had to leave early because she had to poop. <laughs> Blake sent me something and said that the Candy Muse had to poop. And I said, you have to talk about that on the show. He goes, I don't know if it's true. So I look it up. She tweeted it. She goes, have to leave early, had to poop. Wouldn't be World of Wonder Raw <laughs> Report without a poop. Without <laughs> something poopy. All right. Well, let's move on then. You can watch the uh, MTV 2023 Video Music Awards on MTV.com or Paramount Plus. And number nine, James. It seems like we're not really changing the tenor that much with this next item, right? Number nine. We do need to talk about this because in the last two weeks, there has been an avalanche of, of celebrity scandals. Bang, 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 bang. Just one after the other, one after the other. Um, we started off and we were, you know, two weeks ago, we were still, you know, marinating on Lizzo and, and what was going on with her. And then 
came uh, Jimmy Fallon and the allegations of sort of a toxic work environment there, followed very quickly by da the Danny Masterson verdict, in which afterwards, uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, it was revealed that they had written a letter of support to the judge. And then they came out and gave sort of a weird non-apology and people sort of dogpiled onto them about that. Then very quickly after that, Drew Barrymore and um, uh, that she was starting up her, her talk show again during the strike, which is, and, and she was using scab writers and people were very upset about that. But at the same time, the view and the talk have been on since there. So where do we draw the line? It's, it's sort of a gray area for me, but none of this is really, I'm not, I don't want to talk about individually each of those things and pass judgment on them because they're each very different stories. And the thing is a world of wonder we deal with a lot of celebrities. We know a lot of celebrities. We book them on our shows as guest judges, as guest stars, as talking heads on the documentaries. And especially this group right here, you know, Fenton, we know Mila Kunis. We know her very well from her time with Macaulay Culkin. I have had many dealings with Drew Barrymore over the years. She was a producer on my, on my movie Freak Show. I've known her since she was a 10-year-old child at Limelight. So I don't want to pass judgment on any of them, you know? Um, so, but I'm exhausted is, at the idea of casting judgment at celebrities every day. It, it, well, exactly. But the thing is, is it's very Trumpian, this idea that no celebrity scandal can mean anything because it, very quickly the next day there's a new scandal to take over that, that nothing can ever stick none of these scandals at we ever we, we don't sit on them too long because tomorrow there's another scandal and then the next day there's another one and the next day so so nobody ever gets truly canceled because you know cancel culture is going to come for all of us and if you just sit around long enough the the dogs will bark and the caravan will pass and then the new scandal will take over so you don't have to worry about it tom but there's this notion, we've talked about this before. I totally agree with you, but it's the, I, I don't think what these things are that important. I think our social media feed makes us think because when I am flipping through my social media feed all the time, guilty, guilty, guilty. And, you know, I know from today that Drew Barrymore has not, has been pulled from hosting this, the, the book awards, the national book awards. It's like, I don't care, you know, and, and life is not black and white. People are not monsters. You know, yeah. no, no, none of these people, none, none, none of these people are bad people. They, they are not. You know, but they, most people, most. You know, I don't, wanna, I don't generalizing, but like people have good and bad in them, and people make yeah. good decisions and bad decisions, and some decisions are neither. They're just decisions, and, and you know, the, the Ashton Mayla thing. It's just like they were friends with him. They gave you know, they they wrote a letter to say you know his parents asked him to write a letter saying tell us about the good things about him. They weren't. It was against never him. meant to be seen by anyone. No, other than the judge. but it makes them look dirty by this this kind of you're right or you're wrong. This black or white jury yeah. of the internet, and I try very hard, not perfect, to stay away from it. And, yeah. and, and no one should get – very few people should get canceled. If you go to jail, you should be canceled. You know what I'm saying? Right. Anywho. Well, exactly. I mean, the, the Danny Madison thing was a, a judgment in a court of law. And there it is. And, I mean, I wonder if people are just going to get bored with social media. Like, I mean, I, you know, I just think – just well, disengage. No, that's like, that's like, no, that's like, like those uh, newspaper articles that would say, the internet is over in like 1999. <laughs> no people are over. bored with the internet. Nobody is ever going to get bored of social media. It's, it, right. that, that's not going to happen. But what they have to do to shock us has to get more extreme. And that's yeah. where AI and weird things might come in and change. Our right. Lives. 
That's a good point. Um, number eight. Number eight. I went to a film festival and here I was thinking that film festivals are over. But, you know, in the post-COVID era, no one wants to go to the movies and independent movies are just stuck. I went to the Toronto International Film Festival. There were so many films I wanted to see. The place was mobbed. It was so exciting. It was like, oh, I haven't felt like this in so long around people, even if some of them were coughing, you know, COVID's back a bit. But there was a little Nas X documentary, Long Live Montero. I didn't see it. I basically wow. didn't see anything. But the, the premiere was delayed by a, a homophobic bomb threat, but it went ahead and people were oh very excited God. about that. Lil Nas X was there. Taika Waititi, the director, writer, actor, his new film, Last Goal Wins, which is interesting. It's about the American Samoan soccer team. And it's actually based on a documentary, same name, same title. Um, he was there with his film. James, there was a little bit of a, a cancellation story around a, a trans character in the movie, but also got a standing ovation for the movie. And Taika, of course, is also, and this is the reason I was there, executive producer, one of the executive producers of Fry Bread Face and Me, which is Billy Luther's directorial writing uh, feature debut. And it's his coming of age story growing up on the res as a Navajo Pueblan Indian Native American boy. Receiving rave reviews. I mean, I have to say the reviews are incredible. I mean, in my life, I've never seen such a suite of good reviews. I haven't read a single bad review. It is fantastic and extraordinary. And you and Randy are also executive producers, correct? Yes, we are. And I was so excited because a review actually mentioned World of Wonder and Taika Waititi in the same sentence. And I had a little sort of... And you and Billy, it's very modern, but you're co-parents at the very least, right? We are indeed. Yes, we are. But we are... uh, Yes, we are co-parents to wonderful kids. And Nolan is in the movie. Nolan was at the shoot with Billy the entire time and is plays the part of Pickle Boy in the movie. He has one line, which, spoiler alert, <laughs> would you like a pickle? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it's it's a lovely movie. All right, so that's Fry Bread Face and Me. And then the, the other thing I wanted to see but didn't get to see is called The Contestant. And it is a documentary about a Japanese game show called... Denpa Shonen, A Life in Prizes. And you might remember this, but in 1998, uh, aspiring comedian Tamako Hamatsu was locked in a room without any clothes and a pile of magazines. And he had to get clothes. He had to get food by entering magazine contests. And unbeknownst to him, and this was the twist and the trick, everything he was doing was being broadcast weekly to became a huge hit. 15 million people every Sunday night were tuning in to watch him basically for over a year as he entered these magazine sweepstakes, won things. He never won any clothes. He only won, well, he won a pair of women's trousers, which didn't fit him. So he spent the whole time in this room naked. And that's why it's, he's called, his nickname was Nasubi. And Nasubi is Japanese for eggplant because they put an eggplant emoji over his privates. And that's how he came to be called Eggplant. And uh, the documentary is kind of a re-examination of this uh, 
this kind of reality TV and whether it was ethical it, or not. It kind of reminds me of that new show, Jury Duty. How did he feel about it? Well, Nazubi was in isolated... I mean, he was without clothes or and for times without food. He lived off dog food for a period of time yeah. in isolation for like over a year. Um, and they Not kept on changing the rules. Ethical, but it also sounds like sort of sad and dangerous. And and I mean, like, is did he? Did, it sounds like ever, it sounds a little bit like James during COVID. <laughs> he did no. go slightly crazy, and and they finally was there the any retribution thing, though for the people who did who did who did the show? In, not really. Um, the final the final episode, they brought him into a room and they said he was going to have to continue the experiment. So he took off his clothes and then suddenly all the walls fell away and revealed him in a studio audience um, who were applauding him because he had no idea that he had become this huge Celebrity. star. And Weird. in that moment, he was like, is this right? That you could have done this to me? I really do want to see the documentary. It sounds, you know, fascinating because the story is kind of unbelievable, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's it's cruel and unusual. It's it's it it feels like a weird um, sort of horror film. Mm, yeah. yeah. So um, that was the amazing lineup at the Toronto International Film Festival. Awesome. Should we take a quick break? Let's. All right. Thursdays are Thursdays with an all-you-can-drink Drag Race UK celebration. Drag Race UK Series 5 on WoW Presents Plus, September 28th. Then the after show, the aftershave with Danny Beard, who season four winner, of course, sits down and gossip. And then inviting you all September 27th for a party at WoW, uh, at the WoW Presents Gallery here in Hollywood. RSVP to events at worldofwonder.net. Cheryl Hole and Blue Hydrangea will be hosting. Oh my gosh. That's kind of a special thing. Yeah. All right. Blake, have you got a question? I do. And this celebrity is sort of related to WoW. There's a WoW connection. But they've said that they've never cursed in their life. Who is it? We'll have the answer right here on the WoW Report after the break. Listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back. Benson here with Tom and James and Blake. What's that question? Well, this person, I wouldn't call them a wow celebrity, but they have a connection to wow. And they said that they have never cursed in their life. I'll give you a hint. They're sibling act a lot of the time. Then I think it's one. Of, it's Tia, or it's it's one of the sisters, sisters. Good guess, but no. Um, I'm going to say uh, Brittany and Jamie Lynn. <laughs> of course not, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> it's Donny Osmond. Oh, oh, I can believe that. Yeah, yeah. he says That's he's like... never cursed in his life. How are they? How are they? How is Donny Osmond a wild celebrity? Tom. Drag Race Vegas Live, 
uh, it took over the Donnie Marie Theater at the Flamingo and has been playing well, there that's ever since. That's tangential at the – I mean, come on. Remind me, did I say they're not a WoW celebrity? They have a connection to WoW? You did. <laughs> oh, my God. And I and believe that Randy, at least, or Randy and Fenton were trying to do a Donnie Marie documentary, and we should still do one for years to do this, that, that sibling relationship, do the private yeah. side of it. It would be hot. That would be amazing to do. And I actually went to a meet and greet with Donnie and Marie after seeing the show for about the third time. It was a great show, the I Donnie and Marie show. I love them. All right, let's carry on the countdown. We've reached number seven. Tom. Number seven. James, my topic is an homage to you, a bow to you. I saw Bottoms. Oh, good. So this is Bottoms part two. I loved it. Thank you for telling me about it. Um, thank you, Blake. I know you saw it too. I, I'm just because I can't sum things up. This is written, and I'm just gonna. Bottoms has all the adolescent horniness of super bad, <laughs> the unabashed lesbian energy of but I'm a cheerleader, the winky visual American freshness of bring it on, and a sharper satirical bite than not another teen movie. Couldn't have said it better myself, so I just quoted that. It was Sunday in LA, no air conditioning at home, way too hot. Decided to do his, I went to the Beverly Center and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to go. And I went to the Grove and I laughed from parts of my body that have not had laughter come out of them sometimes ever in many years. It's just fresh and funny and so violent, but in a way that's satirical. So I can like, I still cover, I, I am such a softy. You don't know what a softy I am when it comes to violence and things and feelings. And so it's like, I, I can't. But like, like Cocaine Bear, which was very violent, but hysterical. This is the same thing. And I didn't. So the the two violent things that spoiler, spoiler, but the first montage when they're um, doing the fight club and they're just beating the crap out of each other. And it's just so you're right. It is just you're laughing so hard. And then the very end when everyone's dying on the football field, big spoiler right there. To a Charlie XCX song and his knee. When he hurt his knee, that was pretty <laughs> Yes. And it's about it's about two lesbians who are at the bottom of the high school. And so they form a fight club to basically get so they can wrestle and touch other girls and hopefully sleep with them. But it becomes this whole other thing. It's really smart. This is the the Garden of Eden. This is the the, the, the Mesopotamia of the next wave of huge stars. And first is Emma Siegel, Seligman, who's the director. And she, along with the two stars, Rachel Senat, who played PJ, and Io Debery, who yeah, plays Josie, so, yeah. they all went to you at NYC together and they've known each other forever and they've been working on this, which is kind of fabulous. But Rachel, who plays PJ, she has many credits, but she was on The Idol, my favorite show of last year, of this past year. She played the assistant to uh, the Lily Depp character. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. she Rachel was the one driving, driving them in the, in the and I knew I knew her and I didn't know why. Io. Uh, what is in the bear season one and season two, the Hulu thing. And she also is on Abbott elementary, which I can watch sometimes. So they're, they're working people, but they have just done together. And then the cute uh, gayish quarterback is Nicholas Galatine. Yeah. And I didn't realize that he was the, one of the princes in red, Royal and blue you had seen yeah. in love. Did you know that? And you know, Kaya Gerber is so good. She really is hysterical. And Rose, I think, Havana Rose Lou. 
Oh, God, she's so beautiful, and she is a star ready to burst yes, out. Yes, and Kaya Gerber, they're both models, they're, but they're, they, are, they have huge movie careers ahead of them. Yeah, and I also yeah. love who played Hazel, Ruby Cruz. The oh, one beautiful, who... beautiful, and she, <clears throat> you just loved her so much, yes. It's shockingly good. I told Randy he has to go. He said, can I bring my kids? I said, I don't know, it's up to you. But Fenton, have, will you prompt? Will you make a? You're a couple movies behind. I'm a couple of movies behind, but I promise to go. As I soon also feel like because it leaves the theater soon and goes on to um to streaming next week on the 22nd. Try and go before that. Take Nolan. No one will go bananas over this. But, yes, but but do it in a theater with people. Try to because it's an experience. Yes. Everyone laughing so hard. It was full. It was full when I saw it on Sunday. And it is. It's the thing. I can so easily not go because I'm not going to the movies because of COVID. I would get COVID. I would recommend to get COVID <laughs> to see this movie in public. That's wow. Really that's fantastic. That is a recommendation. <clears throat> and um, I have two. I have two tips to give because in doing my research, the two leads in the movie, Rachel and Io, are single. Was a Comedy Central show, short lived, that they did. All the sketches live on YouTube. Rachel and Io are single. So if you have just seen Bottoms, can't get enough, want it every single day, you can do it that way. And the last thing is, is that in 2020, um, Emma Seligman and uh, Rachel were in a movie together called Shiva Baby, which mm. I think cost $200,000, which did really well. And from that, it was so good and so well done. She got the okay from MGM to do an $11.3 million movie, the one we're talking about now. I, well, I just but- got to say, Tom, this makes me so happy that you took my advice and that you really enjoyed it too because yes. it is it is one of the best movie experiences of the year, if not the decade. It really is that exciting and that fun. I agree. But Shiva Baby is a, a work they did together two, year, two years ago, and it's also available on Max and a bunch of places, and you can watch Rachel and Emma. And it's, it's start, I've only watched the beginning – but it was it, she starts off by having sex, getting money from the guy, and then running into him at a funeral. So I mean, it's just it's that kind, and she's a lesbian, you know, just it's that it. kind of story. You can't have enough of that. Post, 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 postmodern. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's bottoms. Number six, James. Number six. My friend Lisa Edelstein, who I've known for almost forty years now, best friend. Uh, she was uh, an actress on House and Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce and the Kaminsky Method. She has an art exhibit um, in, in Los Angeles that everyone needs to go see. Um, she has paint. She does these paintings and she never knew that she was an artist. She'd never drawn before. She'd done a little doodles, I guess. But it wasn't until the lockdown during the pandemic when she was bored and she converted a room in her house into an artist studio and started painting. And she started painting family pictures from the 60s and 70s and not the good pictures, not the 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 family portraits or the, you know, posed pictures or pictures that you put in scrapbooks or something. It was the pictures that she found at the bottom of old boxes that are like blurry or the heads are turned or there's like sort of in motion or something like that. Pictures you would never put in a scrapbook, but they have like an immediacy to them and sort of a... um. Uh, a, a sort of a fun quality and she started painting them and the wallpaper and the clothes and everything are so 60s and 70s it's very funny they're family pictures but she kept making the canvases bigger and bigger and bigger until they're these giant giant you know not photorealistic but just pictures of like old family photos it's really um, interesting and interesting to look at um uh uh her husband 
Robert Russell is also an artist who does these giant, 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 hyper-realistic canvases of Victorian teacups and of uh, um, like silver pewter figurines, uh, animal figurines that are just these like 20, 30 foot pictures. It's just really unbelievable. They're a, a very interesting artistic family. They've got two lovely kids. Well, the, the just... exhibition is the the, uh, the Anna Egby Gallery, right? Yeah. Is that right? The yeah. Anna and, and, Egby... On Wilshire Boulevard. Mm. Yeah, like Wilshire and Fairfax right there. Right. Until Starts, October yeah, 21st. Oh. I'm sure it's going to be. I mean, like they've all sold, right? Uh, yeah, they, yeah, she does very well for herself. Robert Russell does, has a very, very big client, celebrity clientele. It's just mm-hmm. the, it, but just take it, go see it. Cause like I said, they're, they're her, of her family, but they're not the like portrait pictures that you're used to seeing. It's just, they're, they're the, they're, they're just weird, weird, weird pictures with weird, like, uh, Fenton, you'd go nuts over the wallpaper that, that, that they had in their house. Cause it's very sixties wallpaper is fabulous. I can't wait to go. That's Lisa Edelstein family currently uh, at the Anna Egby Gallery on Wilshire uh, until October. Number five. Number five. I have a new Instagram obsession, fully clothed. It's not anything, you know, oh, okay. off, off color or anything. James just walked off camera. <laughs> no, just laughing. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> want to hear about that. <laughs> it's Noodles the Pooch. Noodles the Pooch, tell me everything. Oh, my gosh. Noodles the Pooch is a female toy multi-poo? What a multi-poo. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, it's not a... My mom had a multi-poo. It's not a poo joke. It's a a dog. It's a little Mm. tiny miniature poodle, I guess. Here's the thing. You know, lots of dogs have Instagram accounts, and and it's very cute. This one uh, has almost a million followers. The sort of milestone shift, the tipping point, I suppose was when they started doing a series called the Corporate Lifestyle Edition. And Noodles the Pooch, it's basically the same shot every time. Noodles is sat at a laptop computer. The camera is slightly behind the laptop. So you're seeing Noodles' face as working at the computer, typing away with the paws. But Noodles just has... A little pair of glasses on and little outfits and everything. Little little business outfits. Pair always in slightly different outfit, but it's always about the glasses, and they often have a, like a string that goes around the neck. And Noodles looks at the camera with this kind of deadpan, this marvelous. It's this sort of passive aggressive composure that is just so delicious. And and so the 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 corporate basically Noodles is a a, a jaded disaffected bought at a company, you know, some kind of like clerk type, secretary type, mute. Noodles has different quotes every single time. Like Noodles is saying different things. And the expression that Noodles (laughs) is giving the camera perfectly matches these quotes. It's really, it's you actually start to believe that Noodles (laughs) is a person. I do. How dare you suggest otherwise? It's, it's because funny noodles' expression is almost always the same. But as you say, James, <laughs> it perfectly matches. And and the sort of whatever noodles is saying, it's like there's a series within this um what I say versus what I mean. So, you know, if you write in an email, am I to understand 
What it really means is, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and just the way Noodles looks at you, uh, or um, per my last email, <laughs> which translates as, can't you read? It's funny because, Benson, you are guilty of all of these per my last email. And, uh... <laughs> Please advise. <laughs> I'm annoyed and I need clarification now. <laughs> oh, this one's great. I hope this helps. That passive-aggressive statement. Um, what do, do we know who might be behind? No, I've been like looking to find, but the owner is very clever at like keeping themselves completely removed because to know that Noodles has an owner would somehow destroy the yes. the idea that Noodles yes. is someone who sits of down on autonomy. Yes, <laughs> Noodles agency. <laughs> but, but the fact that you can just read into every single expression, but the expression is exactly the same. You're right. <laughs> but, but it's it so genius. <laughs> I, I tell you, Noodles, but I'm completely hooked. They also do a series like types of different office workers, like the person who calls in sick but is really at the beach. Or the person who always leaves early, or the person who asks questions at the end of the meeting, or wait, but I do have to say that very often you get all excited about some Instagram thing about pouring yes. cement or making marbles or something, and you're like, you've got to follow, you've got to follow, and I'm like, oh dear God, again, again with the pouring of cement, <laughs> you know, every for a, a thousand video, but this time I listened to you, I went in and followed, and I am so happy whenever noodles pops up. You are spot on with this recommendation, I have to say. Oh, James, thank you. That means a lot. It really cheers me up. Noodlesapooch.com or on Instagram. There are all new episodes of Drag Race Germany, Drag Race Philippines, Drag Race Brazil, and the finale of Drag Race Down Under. But where are they, of course? Wow Presents Plus. Yes. Sign up at wowpresentsplus.com. Blake, have you got a question? I do, and I'm kind of afraid you're going to know this, but um, at the very end of ELO's Mr. Blue Sky, you know, there's that robotic vocoder voice. Mm -hmm. What is it saying? Oh, my God. I oh, We'll have the answer right after the break. No I'm going to call Noodles the Pooch right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go Wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake, and I've just been racking yep, my you're, brain. You're trying Blake. to think of the answer to my question. Yes, so, I feel so ashamed. Like I, I knew once, but I, I don't, know. I don't know. At the very end of Mr. Blue Sky, ELO's classic Mr. Blue Sky, yes. there is a vocoder voice, and what does he saying? This is confirmed by Jeff Lynn. Any guess? God save no. the queen. Mm -hmm. Many people think it's saying Mr. Blue Sky I, but it's actually saying please turn me over because it's the last song on that it's side. The last Back in the day when you used to have vinyl records, it used to take off the record player and turn over. The great thing about Blue Sky though is it, the song ends, doesn't it? And then there's this great dum 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 dum. The coda is almost better than the original yeah. song before it. Yeah, totally. Well, thank, thank you for that. I love Turn that. me 
over. That's Diana Ross on her Muscles album. She has one track. It's like a minute 13 long. It's just noise, noise, noise. And it goes, turn me over. Coincidentally, that's what also Troy Savan says at the the end of uh, Rush. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. We're counting down the top 10. We've reached number four. Number four. You know, I usually reserve number four. We do as a group. I don't act autonomously here. Um, rest in perfection, rest in peace. And I want this to dedicate this to rest in peace. The California drought. I was driving down Sunset on Monday, the 9-11, which I have another story about one time. And I had my top down and it was the most spectacular sky. There were some really weird raindrops and it was an Instagram dream. And on NPR, it says, the California drought is over. All the rain that you guys got while I was in uh, the UK and down under and the hurricane Hillary, it's like, finally, finally, we are out of drought. Now, that's seemed like enough good information. I could move on. But then I did a little research because and I guess if, since 1986, in the last 37 years, there's been 18 years of drought within that time. Um, and right now, everything's out of uh, drought in California, except for maybe 6% of the, of the state. I'll take it. Um, but they said the main challenge now for California, there's always something. It's not longer getting enough precipitation. It's about finding where to store it. So mm, that always, yeah. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, when there's too much rain, the, the river's over and it just goes straight into the I ocean. We don't have a way What's... to, we don't have reservoirs, I guess, to, to keep or not enough. it. Yes. Wow. And they, just because they've been relying so much on what are the big the Colorado the, River the Colorado, and Colorado yeah. Lake Mead and stuff and the snow melt right that the- that those it's just being drained and I'm sorry every time I see a big building being projected in LA I just think like flush 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 there goes the water and and they said that you know uh, there's enough water for about a year right now if we could we could withstand drought for another year based you know roughly but and this is the this is the not so rest in peace part which is. Most climate models show the U.S. southwestern region will continue to get progressively drier due to climate change. So the scientists are saying one model shows just, you know, drying and drying and drying. And the other says there's some chance that changes in the atmospheric circulation caused by warming could bring more moisture like we saw last year. But still, even more when more moisture arrives, it won't necessarily mean more water for farmers and city dwellers in the southwest, since harder temperatures will also mean uh, more evaporation. More well, I was just going to say, I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves that we are headed towards, you know, uh, 140 degrees every day. Well, yeah, just reading about the floods in Libya, right? Oh. Like 5,000 people died. Like it seems that uh, every day now there's a very extreme weather event yeah. with catastrophic. Another thing in NPR about fatigue. Like we can't keep like talk about celebrity things. It's like there's so many natural disasters one after another that it's hard to even. Uh, well, not, I mean, we were just, you know, Morocco having the, the once in a thousand Hawaii. earthquake. Yeah, Hawaii, Morocco, and then Libya, just bang, 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 bang. One after it's also the other. partly because we're in a more connected world, I guess. But yeah, I, well, I don't know if anyone follows me on Instagram at Blake Jacobs with a K. But this past weekend, I went to Switzer Falls up in the Los Angeles mountains, mm-hmm. and we hiked down and got into these pools that, like, where the waterfall from the freezing snow. It was so cold, but it was so nice. 
That's so, great. I saw you I romping to, in the waters because I do follow you on Instagram. Yeah. At least I got to enjoy that before, you know, it is no more. I'm trying to not be in denial, James, but be in the present. And for right now, no drought. Woo! Well, let's cheer ourselves up with number three, James. Number three. One of the most important news stories of the past 100 years, I would say, this is so relevant, is the alien corpse that was brought into uh, the Mexican Congress. Uh, the corpses that they were found um, in, I guess, 2017 in a Peruvian mine. They're supposed to be 1,800 years old. One of them was supposedly had eggs in it. It was supposed to be pregnant, I believe. I don't know if you've been following this stories. I saw the aliens lying in the coffin thing, and I noticed like granular bits underneath them. So are they sort of disintegrating, or like what are they? Well, yeah, they're 1,800 years old. Um, the creatures with their tiny bodies, three-fingered hands, and elongated heads. They looked like ET, basically, is what they were. UFO researcher Jamie Mousen found the remains and ha- and brought them to the Mexican lawmakers. They they say that 30% of the specimen's DNA is unknown, indicating that they are not of our terrestrial evolutions. Experts testified under oath that one of them appeared to have eggs or ovaries, while the other is um, had implants made of rare metals as osmium. We don't know if this is true or if it's not, but it is being presented as real. And yet, there's a collective sort of ho-hum from from social media, nobody really cares. I guess because the, the Drew Barrymore and, and Jimmy Fallon <laughs> and Lizzo and Ashton are more important than finding aliens. But you know, whatever. You're a bit ho hum yourself. I feel like Benton has something to hide. I feel like I Benton thought has you would jump hide. on this story and have I'm all. Very excited story. about it, but why would they bring? It also seems odd to bring them to the Mexican legislator. Like it's like what? what well, no one's going to go Why find not? them. <laughs> Why not? I guess this is how we know about it. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, to be continued on that. Um, number two. Number two. Hackney diamonds. Do you know what hackney diamonds are? No. Hackney diamonds, according to the Rolling Stones, this is the title of the first album that they have released in 18 years, I tell you. Hackney diamonds is what happens when you smash the windshield of a car with a hammer and it shatters into a thousand pieces and they're called hackney diamonds because i guess hackney used to be a very dangerous part of london very violent part of london cars would always get broken into so all the broken glass on the streets was where they were called hackney diamond and the reason even reason i know that they've they're releasing this new album is because i was doing my like what's the scandal of the moment following the jimmy fallon report in Rolling Stone and somehow it led me to Jimmy Fallon flew to London and did a live Q&A with the remaining Rolling Stones at the Hackney Empire for the launch of their new album and their new single is out it's called uh, first single on the album is called Anger yeah do we really think that, that the Rolling Stones have it in them to have a, a, a pop song again I mean are no. you have you heard it? One, oh, three. I heard it on the radio and it sounded okay. Sydney okay. Sweeney, Sydney Sweeney's in the video. Oh, that's well, true. that's yeah. the other thing. I thought the I watched the video and I thought it was kind of lame, to be honest. It's it's Sydney Sweeney, you know, just being a sort of model on the back of a car driving down Sunset, and all the billboards are of the Rolling Stones in their heyday, lip syncing 
I don't know. And it just goes on and on for about four minutes. It's the same well, thing. How, about, how original can, can an 80 year old, you know, rock star be? I mean, how much, how innovative do we, do we expect them to be at this point? Well, exactly. I don't think they have to be. And what I do love about the Rolling Stones is watching them on this. I mean, the talk, the, the talk show interaction with Jimmy Fallon is pretty naff, but I just find their face. I just want to look at them. They're like Mount Rushmore. They're, you know, Ron Wood and and um, Keith Richards, Dave and John uh, and Keith Jagger, Mick Jagger. They have such interesting, craggy faces. I mean, I'm not. Being, I, mean, I, I do love them for that. I love them that I they haven't it. gotten the duck lips and the the Botox and all of that. I I think that, but they dress really fabulous. Still, they dress yes. still dress like rock stars, but they do have those Mount Rushmore faces, like Lillian Hellman or like yes. you know, someone like that. Yeah, or Betty Davis at the end after the stroke. Yes. You know, Mick Jagger and uh, President Biden are one year apart, and they were really the three of them were kind of just. It was actually, you know, it was rather like the Wow Report. It was like us, the three of us, just like cutting up and having a good time, and um, with yeah. your Mount Rushmore faces. I, there, there was, a, there has been a meme of uh, Mitch McConnell and, and Mick Jagger, but side by side, and they're like these men are both the same age, you know, and it's it is sort of interesting and fun to see. But the funny thing is, I remember in like 1984 when he and David Bowie did their songs, and everyone's like these old men, and you look at them now, and they're like in their 30s, and they look that they just look like little totally. like little embryos, and at the time we were like, oh my god, they've got to hang it up. They're so old. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us back to the MTV Video Music Awards this week and how young everybody looks. You know, it's crazy. Oh, I love a full circle moment. Perfect time to take one more break. And when we come back, reveal the number one thing this week that made us go out. And I'll give you a clue. It's a very special guest, in-person guest here on The Wow Report. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome back to The Wow Report. It's Fenton here with Tom and James. We've been counting down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. And we've reached number one. So it's the big reveal. Number one. Very excited to welcome, I have a copy of the book here, Kate Flannery, author of a fantastic memoir called Strip Tease. Kate, I, I'm not going to do justice to it, but you should tell us about Scripties. And by the way, congratulations, because I'm so jealous you got a review in the New York Times. And wow, so I want to know congratulations. That- Thank you so much. It was really incredible and unexpected and amazing to be in that book review on Sunday, calling my dad. Dad, I'm in the book review. It was really incredible. And thank you so much for having me here. It's it's really great to be here. You have to tell us where you're broadcasting from. Um, right now, I'm in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. Tell us about the book. What inspired you to write it? <laughs> what it's about? So uh, Striptease is about my time working for the very controversial and provocative fashion company, American Apparel, um, right at the beginning of its journey. So um, right around the turn of the millennium, I, I started working there in 2004. I was, I was 23 years old. I was a baby. I just moved to Los Angeles from Philadelphia and was really anxious for a new start. And really, I had just gotten into town when I was scouted at Little Joy in Echo Park. And a woman came up to me and handed me a card. And that was 
the beginning of the next three years of my life that I spent there working for Dove Charney. Dove Charney is a legendary figure of some ill repute, let's say. Um, What was he like to you? Dove Charney is a very complex man. He's very charismatic, as well as being very problematic. You know, as a leader, he has the tool of charisma, which is really important and also can be very dangerous. You know, I, I had come from working for the headquarters of Urban Outfitters in Philly, which was this very sort of stodgy, you know, like run by Dick Hayne, who's this Republican. He was given money to Santorum. Like people were eating like lean cuisines. I was like, get me out of here. I like, this is not, not the world for me. So when, once I saw American Apparel and I got in that factory and, and I saw, you know, we were making everything in downtown LA, I was a very idealistic, you know, new college grad. And I just thought we are going to change the world. This is ethical capitalism. And this is how we're going to do things. This is how it should be. Um, So yeah, I was, I, I, it was, it's a very, I call it, it's like a very glamorous rat trap. Like there's no way out of it. I remember a few years ago, there was a documentary about American Apparel called like Big Bad Wolf or something like that. I'm wondering what some of the horror stories that you personally have that you documented in the book. Sure. It's so interesting. I watched that documentary and they did a great job. I used it for a lot of research and facts. I knew a lot of the people in it. And um, I thought for sure all of my stories and the things that I witnessed would sort of be out there. But no, like everyone, despite despite the American apparel experience being sort of universal, everyone has witnessed like crazy, strange things. So in my first few weeks there, I was working the floor at the first store um, in Echo Park, the Sunset Shop. I was, it was like one of the, it was the first American apparel store. So I was in there working with the girls. It was so fun. We would wear roller skates on Saturdays. We like didn't sign waivers. It was just this like air of lawlessness that spread around, which was so intoxicating to me. I'm like a nerd. I, I'd never broken the rules before. And like, here was this fantasy land where young women were like making all the decisions. And um, I had heard of Deb Charney. I'd seen him from afar. But one day the, the curtain of the dressing room was sort of like flapping and nobody was in the store. And I thought, is there a customer in there? But no, it wasn't a customer. It was Deb Charney with my coworker. And they were like <laughs> in the throes of passion. And that was something... That happens pretty frequently. In fact, you, like years later, when I talked to the woman, that, that girl, I said, do you remember when I met Dove Charney? Do you remember in the dressing room? And she was like, no, were we naked? And I'm like, oh my God, she, this was any other day to her. She didn't even remember this. Like it was so life-changing for me. So that was like my first taste of the company. I was like, something strange is going on here. But at the time I was like, you know, this is my friend. She's 22. She's a grown woman. If she wants to shook the boss, that's her decision. You know, we were all grown women here. We were like sexually autonomous beings. So it was that time frame. It was that like celebrity sex tape, playboy spread, reality TV, you know, upskirt shot, girls gone wild time. And it was very seductive. It's it's hard to explain to people today how different that era was. Like you could not tell that to a, a teenager or twenty something today, you know. 
I call it the true golden era of Hollywood. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's true. They, 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 they don't seem, they don't seem to understand it or they're like, why, you know, the story of striptease is the story of how someone can go in there with like feminist armor and just totally get hoodwinked by, you know, the patriarchy. But, you know, girls now who read it or like some of the like crappy like reviews online are like, how could she stay? Like, like she's a bad person. Like, like, like that is not what this book is about. The book is about how just culturally the fabric, you know, all around us obscured just things that are just like plain as day, you know, 20 years later. Have you sold the movie rights? Who is going to play you? And what does Dove think about the book? Oh, and who will play him too? Um, yes, I was so fortunate to sell the film option um, like three months pre-pub. Very exciting for like a theatrical release. No, just like straight to streaming. You know, people are going back to the theater. Um, we we made this deal, I mean, seriously, the hours before the strike. So we like haven't been able to publicize it or whatever. But um I think I can say that it is um, it is Lily Reinhardt's production company, Lily from from Riverdale. And um, yeah, she's she she's the one. She is so beautiful. So that's very exciting. She's incredible. A young she is. She really is. Who would play Dove and, and what does he think about the book? Um, I'm not sure about Dove yet. You know, everything stopped, obviously, once we haven't really had a chance to package it. Um, but I'm like dying to know. Well, in a way, I am still sort of in these cult dynamics because I'm like, oh, you know, what does Dove think? Like, what will he think? Like, he should be worried about what I think. Like, he should be the one reading this book. But of course, you know, like, he's my Facebook friend. I'm like bragging about my New York Times review. Like, holy shit, is he on there? You know, is he reading these? I have no idea. I do know that the Washington Post, uh, they did a review of the book and um, they reached out to him for comment and he did not respond. I was sort of waiting for that in like the press, like who's going to reach out? Is he going to make a comment? But, you know, Dove loves publicity. There's nothing in this book that he hasn't done or said in front of a journalist, you know, there's no sexual activity that I think he wouldn't cop to or almost be proud of. Um, but yeah, I have no idea what he thinks, but I'm anxious to see who plays him. It has to be somebody young, you know? Oh, and I have a friend who, if you date someone or have a crush on someone, like who would play them in the movie? Just for people who don't know what, who Dove Churney looks like or, or acts like, who would, you, I'm going to push you on this. Who would play him in the movie? I'm not saying you're going to book them, but like what, personality or even a young you know james dean tell us what who who might to put a picture in minds oh my gosh i would love a young john cassavetes oh. to play dove that's who i want he would just transform like he is dove charney in some ways like in rosemary's baby like guy woodhouse that is dove charney um but in modern times i would also i could also see like evan peters I think he, once I saw him as Dahmer in those glasses, I was like, those are Dove's glasses. Like, I, I feel like he really transforms, you know? Blake has mentioned that Adrian Grenier sort of has that same look, too. I'm wondering, though, maybe like a John Hamm, too. Maybe John Hamm could do it. Adrian would be perfect because mm. he was involved in this whole scene. He dated some, one of the girls in my book. He... Oh, I have all kinds of juicy stories about him that you're just reminding me of that like should have been in that book. They should have been in there. 
and you know entourage was such a part of that whole culture too as well so yeah it sort of fits in yes a lot of the american apparel girls were extras on that show kate i cannot wait to i cannot wait to finish reading the book so that's i and, and thank you for my copy Yes, of course. And con- congratulations. I'm excited for your next book. I'm also really excited to see the movie. The full title of the book is Strip Tease, a memoir of millennial Los Angeles. And it is such a, an encapsulation of the zeitgeist from that millennial era. I can't wait. I, I bought the audio book, so can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm. Thank you so much for having me. And it was so fun to chat about it. I hope you enjoy it. And come back soon. Yes. Continued success. Yes. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you very much. We didn't get into the world of wonder stuff, but I'll talk about that next time. Next time, calm down. That's the next book. Thank you, Kate. That, that uh, Kate, by the way, used to work at World of Wonder, so we'll have her back to tell us about her sordid past at World, World of Wonder. World of Wonder. I'm still there right now. So that will be the subject of your next best-selling book. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps. Probably not. Surprisingly, it's not. Thank you. Thank you you so much for having me. Well, that's all we got time for here on The Wow Report. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, James. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Tom. Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow.